Hello, and welcome once again to the Anesthesia Compass podcast. This is Mike Dobson. If you were listening a couple of weeks ago, you'll have heard me talking to Rachel Friedman about her experiences on the Lifebox project, and in particular as the Lifebox Fellow in Uganda. Since she came back from Africa, Rachel has been busy organizing courses on anesthesia for low and middle income countries. And that's what I wanted to talk to her about today. It's nice to welcome you back again, Rachel. Uh, last time we talked about your experience as a Lifebox Fellow in East Africa. Uh, but since you came back from Africa, uh, you've been organizing uh, the one day developing world anesthesia course when it moved to London uh, some years ago. Uh, I think you've done that sort of four, four or five years in a row now. Can you tell us a, a bit about that one day course? Who's, who's it aimed at? And realistically, how much can you expect to put over in just one day? Um, absolutely. So the, the anesthesia um, course, Developing World Anesthesia, DWA, um, sometimes known as the Bristol course, because it actually started out many years ago um, in Bristol, um, set up by a, a number of anesthetists, including James Rogers, and then um, latterly run by Ben Gupta. And I first attended the DWA course as a speaker where I gave one of the experience from the field talks, which is where um, anaesthetists who've been away and done a project come and tell people what they got up to, give the, the pitfalls, the benefits and a bit of, um, as it's called, experience from the field. So I, I gave that talk a couple of times um, whilst it was running in Bristol. And obviously um, impressed Ben Gupta with my ability to ramble on somewhat coherently and turn up on time. So when he felt it was time for him to step back um, from running the course, he um, very kindly asked if I'd like to take it on. And as you say, I've been running it since, uh, since then. Um, I feel the benefits of the one day course are that you can get a taster of whether this is something that you would want to pursue um, in, in your anaesthetic career, but without it being a, a big burden on your time or your, or your um, study budget, for example. So we get an awful lot of people who perhaps come along and say, that was really fascinating, but actually it's not for me yet. I would like to do X, Y, Z before I go away. And we get an awful lot of people who come along and say, yeah, this is great. This is the springboard I need to pursue this a bit further. So it's an excellent way to, to dip your toe into this world and, and find out if it's for you. We cover a huge amount of, of content on the course. So one of the phrases that we say before you go away to work in a low resource country as an anesthetist is that you need to be potty trained. And that's pediatrics, obstetrics and trauma, because whatever project you're intending to do, you are going to come across pediatrics, obstetrics and trauma. So you, you really do need to be potty trained. So three of the, the uh, focuses that we have on that one day course are pediatrics, obstetrics and trauma. But we also cover tips of how to get the best out of your time away, how to arrange your trip, depending on what stage of your career you are. 
um, how to um, use certain pieces of equipment that you might not have come across before. So the, the hands-on equipment uh, sessions are very, very popular. And we're very, very honored that Robert Neighbor from Diamedica brings his kit um, to the in-person courses so that people can have a real look at the um, ventilators and some of the anesthetic machines that they might work with. And also the more um, small scale uh, apparatus. So working with draw over um, vaporizers and putting together an airs piece so that it works in a draw over circuit, things like that. People might not have ever come across those pieces of equipment. Um, so we get consistently very good feedback for, from the one day course. What we don't suggest is that you do the one day course and then you feel like you are fully equipped to ready go off and, uh, and work. And we always suggest that people follow up on that by, for instance, going on the week long course in Uganda, doing some more reading, um, doing some of the uh, online uh, education modules that are available on e-learning for anesthesia. And there will soon be an e-primer available, which is being spearheaded by the World Anesthesia Society, which will cover some of the background that we think people need to know before they go away. Now, you yourself uh, took your own advice and actually uh, went on that uh, one week course, I think back in 2014 in, in Uganda. Um, did, that, did it meet your expectations, that course? What, what were you expecting and, and uh, what did you like and, and dislike about it? Um, so it, it far surpassed all of my expectations. It was, it was a fantastic course. Um, it provided not only the, the in-depth um, technical side, so we spent a whole day putting together pieces of equipment to try and work, you know, with draw over systems and things like that. But we also got to see some of it in action. We were privileged to be able to go into a hospital and watch Sarah Hodges, who's a, a British anaesthetist who's been working in Uganda for many, many years. And she showed us um, anaesthetizing some pediatric patients using a draw over circuit. Um, and to see it in action um, was very, very beneficial. But actually, the, the biggest thing that I felt I gained from the week-long course was the insight into whether you should go away and what sort of project you should get involved with. I was very aware that I didn't want to get involved with a project where I was a white wealthy anaesthetist going into a low resource environment and dictating how something should be done and the ADC course had a very very important session on on that the moral compass and the how you can actually do more damage than good if you go into an environment where you don't understand how the system works and you might change one thing which you think is for the better but actually you make things more dangerous for the patients because the system has evolved in a way that is as safe as it can be albeit not how we might uh, see it as it should be from a, a western viewpoint um, so actually, that was the strongest learning point I took away from it was that I really wanted to make sure I got involved in a project that had good sustainability, had good intentions and um, was set up with uh, an invitation from the anaesthetist on the ground rather than coming in and dictating how things should be done. 
I've personally always felt that the participants in these courses, both the one day and, and the longer ones, learn as much from each other as they do from the people up front. Was, was that your experience too? Absolutely. Um, so the course that I attended, um, I was a trainee, but there were um, there were delegates there from core trainee through to consultant and even retired consultant grade. And so there was a huge different amount of life experience there. There were also people who had already done a little bit of um work in low-income countries but wanted to do more wanted to re-network wanted to establish um uh, a bit more before they went off and did more work so yes we ha- we learned a huge amount um sitting around um uh the course and into the evenings with a with a nice bottle of nile beer um and the faculty was just hugely hugely um inspiring and informative both the faculty that had come from the high income countries but also the the local ugandan faculty who really gave an, a, a very very detailed and comprehensive uh introductory course for us all now in the last year all these lovely face-to-face courses have given way to online courses. Um, many ways a sad sad thing and hopefully a, a temporary thing. But what do you think we've lost from uh, not being able to meet one another? But is there anything, uh, on the other hand, that we might have gained or learned from doing things online? Yeah, as you say, unfortunately, our um, DWA course um, was planned for March of 2020 and had to be um, quickly uh, postponed when the when the lock, first lockdown um, was introduced, and so the course has run in two online formats since then. Um, I've been ably assisted by Nick Boyd, who's who's taken over the running of those online courses while I've been on maternity leave myself, and in in terms of the negatives I think you lose a huge amount of the networking and the chatting over coffee and the chatting over lunch and one of the main reasons that I think people like to come on our course is that they go away with a list of names and faces of people that they could chat to or email and say I was really interested in the project you talked about could you tell me more so that networking and the breaking down of silos um, to make sure that we do try and work collaboratively in this field I think is one of the major benefits and that's hard to replicate with an online course Um, it can be hard to maintain uh, interaction between faculty and delegates on an online course, but actually we had very good feedback that the use of um, Slido and other uh, interaction tools during the inter- during the online courses was beneficial and people did feel they got as good as interaction as you could expect from that sort of online course. Coming on to the positives, actually, the accessibility that you achieve by having an online course is something that I think we will take into the future and we might find that we do a blended course where people can attend from their own living room or perhaps one a year is face-to-face and one a year is online because we had delegates from all over the country and overseas who perhaps wouldn't have been able to um, financially or study leave um, attend an in-person London course. Um, 
so I think that accessibility is definitely something that, that is, a, is a bonus. We also had some pre-recorded sessions which are time efficient. So being able to see equipment being displayed and demonstrated to you in an online session is something that is very beneficial and very uh, time efficient. And it might be that some of that would be done as pre-reading material, for example, before an online course. Um, it's not the same as feeling the kit, but it is quite efficient. Um, and our, our feedback from the online courses has been good, um, but I am really looking forward to getting back into doing it face to face. And the next one is, is going to be in Manchester in the autumn, I think. Is that right? Indeed, yes. Um, we are going on tour um, and Sarah O'Neill has very kindly offered to, to run a course in, in Manchester, which we are really hoping um, can take place in person. Um, but uh, if not, it will be it will be run as an online course again. Now, just speculating about the future, um, we've we've said that uh, you can't fit everything into a one day course. Uh, you can't really fit everything into a one week course, as, as we know. Uh, do you think there's a place for for uh, more defined specialist one day courses, maybe a, a paediatric one? It's just I just say this because I happen to know you're a paediatric anaesthetist uh, or obstetrics in the developing world or how to run training courses or intensive care. Do you think we could do one day versions of that? I think there is definitely a need for that. The only negative feedback that we ever get from DWA is that it's a struggle to fit everything into one day course and that some sessions therefore don't get to expand into the depth that um, some delegates would like. Um, we are constrained by we can't start earlier in the day than people can get uh, to the um, college on the train and we don't want to go on too late because people need to get away. So within the limits of a course that starts at nine ish and finishes at four or five ish, you can only fit so much in. Uh, so I do think there is the potential to develop into a, a subspecialty course. Um, as, you, as you say, the, the paediatrics, obstetrics, trauma, potty training, sort of three-day courses would be, would be a potential way to, to expand that. Um, so I think that's something we could look into in the future. Well, thank you very much, Rachel, again, for being with us today. Thank you also to Joshua, your, your baby son, for staying asleep. Um, I think uh, although we could go on a lot longer, we probably shouldn't. Uh, and uh, you can now <coughs> give him the, the antagonist to whatever it is that you've been using to keep him quiet and uh, let him have his lunch. So thanks again for being with us. Thanks, Mike. Thanks again for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and maybe it inspired you, if you haven't yet been on one, to sign up for one of those courses that we've been talking about. Although my personal preference is for the ones where we're face to face, that's obviously not so convenient if you're a long way away from a UK location. So don't forget, you can also do these courses remotely on Zoom. You can subscribe to this and future podcasts wherever you normally go for podcasts by searching for Anesthesia Compass. But for now, from me, it's goodbye. Goodbye.